Okay. No intro. That's your Christmas gift. I want to get straight into what I got to say. Welcome to Christmas Eve. We're going to get busy in this fucking bitch. So, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, states simply, In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Okay, well, during a cold winter's night in Bethlehem, see, you got to remember, it was probably spring. Everyone wants it to be winter in Bethlehem. I don't... No, granted, it's the Middle East, and I don't think it gets nearly as nasty as it does in, like, Milwaukee, but... So, somewhere in a town called Bethlehem, in the Judean country, I don't even know if there... It was a hill country, but Mary had her contractions... And she appears as one more human figure in the eternal agony of motherhood amid harsh and hard conditions that we don't have in the modern world. We can't forget the stark realism of that brutally human condition. See, we like to cover this with a lovingly and heavenly atmosphere, but it was really a tragic and difficult time Birth rates themselves meant that Jesus was a miracle just for surviving. It meant that we need to look closely for all of these tragic and difficult times surround Mary and Joseph. And they've become a parable about life with all of its heavenly and human qualities. It's just like our lives where there's a blending of heavenly and earthly, of joy and sorrow, anticipation and disappointment, of pain, of healing. So look where heavenly glory touches the earth. It happened in the birth of a child in the outskirts of some remote Judean village called Bethlehem. A comparable place to Bethlehem would be like in Nevada would be like Austin, Nevada, in the dead center, right next to some mountains. Just, that's how remote the location of this burst happened to be. The gas station closes at eight o'clock and doesn't open again until six. You know what I mean? We're talking about a place where the post office and the only hotel, which only has six rooms, sits above a bar. But that's where this birth happened. The miracle is not so much that the pregnancy of a woman who was not living with a man, but actually she was, because that's just how it worked. Back then, when you were engaged, you lived with your engaged man for a while. It's weird, but, you know, this was how the Messiah came into the world. At the time of his birth, there was no rug on the floor, no costly chandelier, furniture, an antiseptic labor room, no anesthesiologist, no clean hospital linen for the bed. 
the night God touched earth, he came in with nothing. If we translate this birth into 20th century language, the Messiah was born in a storage shed behind a motel. 70 miles from home with a cardboard box for a bed. And Luke's narrative does not let us escape the scandal of how Jesus came into the world. From beginning to end, Jesus is an outcast among outcasts for outcasts. The story of this birth from Luke's point of view is that God has chosen to side with the oppressed against the oppressor. If that's true, it would appear that anyone or any church that has lost sight of that human oppression and poverty will certainly lose that impact of Christ's birth. Now, in the text this week, the shepherds who first heard the message about Jesus' birth They were first. But why the shepherds? Why was that written there? Well, it's because God is to be found in places of human need. The Advent confirms that God comes to us right where we are. God doesn't ask us to clean ourselves up or straighten ourselves out. God knows how futile and that process is and how we have not how we've tried, but we can't do it alone. The fact is that we can't go where God is, but God comes to us where we are. God comes to us through people with all their handicaps, with all their ordinariness, with all their disabilities, and especially the disability of poverty. Advent tells us that God cares for all people through Jesus God is Emmanuel, which is God come to earth. He comes to us by the roadside in the normal daily events of our life. Like the woman who in an ordinary activity of her day comes to draw water from the well. In her daily routine, she encounters Jesus at the well and her life is forever changed. And the Christian view is changed as well for that story. It's like Matthew sitting in his tax office conducting his business as he does every day. In that normal, ordinary, everyday setting, he meets Jesus and follows him, never to return to his office again. The same is true for us. Jesus comes to us right where we are amid all of our human entanglements. It's hard for us to think of God in such ordinary terms, but here we are. This is exactly why the hometown folks in Mark had such a difficulty in accepting Jesus as Messiah, because he was too much like them. If this was God, then God was too ordinary. And they spoke of him and said, but we know who he is. He's not fooling us. That's Joseph's boy. This meant that he was from the side streets of Nazareth. 
He was from the industrial park area where he lived over the carpenter shop with his family. Immediately, this brings to mind train tracks, warehouses, cement mixers, asphalt plants, signs, billboards. They were saying among themselves, he's not a savior. What does he know? He doesn't have the degree. He doesn't have the pedigree. What could he possibly know? They had the facts on him. They knew his origin, his family, his name, and occupation. There are those who, knowing the origin of someone, are convinced they understand all there is to know for that person. They're convinced that people from certain locations, races, cultures, or backgrounds are all alike and that no one of any importance can come from those kinds of roots. We've heard all before, haven't we? As far as Jesus is concerned, they had the facts on him, but they don't really know him. That day in Nazareth, they stumbled over the truth because it appeared so ordinary, so obvious and familiar. Fred Craddock tells upon the death of a saint, those who visited his home after his death were surprised to find a broom, detergents, trash cans, newspapers, an ironing board, dirty dishes, a worn sweater, toilet paper, a can of tuna, equal sweetener, and utility bills. With astonishment, they gasped, oh, he's just like us. How hard is it for us to realize that Liberation comes to us on the limping human foot. The highest comes to us amid the lowest. You know, um, Tolstoy, Leo Tolstoy, he actually has this story of a cobbler whose name is Conrad. He was a godly man who made shoes in his humble shop. One night the cobbler dreamt that the next day Jesus was coming to his shop. He got up early the next morning, he went to the woods, gathered green boughs to decorate his shop in order to receive so great a guest. He waited all morning, and the only thing that happened was an old man shuffled up, asking to rest. Conrad saw that his shoes were worn through, so he brought the man in. Old man, come here, we're going to give you a new pair of shoes. And he put the old man on the sturdiest shoes in the shop, before sending him on his way. He waited through the afternoon and the only happening was that an old woman under a heavy load of firewood came by. She was weary and out of compassion, Conrad brought her in, gave her some of the food he had prepared for his special anticipated guest. She ate it with relish for she was hungry. Refreshed, she went on her way. As night came, a lost child crying bitterly came into his shop. The cobbler was annoyed with the child's presence because he felt it necessary to leave his shop and take the child to his home. As he returned to his shop, he was convinced he had missed his Lord. Sadly, he sat down and in his imagination, he lived through the moments with Jesus as he imagined they might have been. He thought to himself, what a great time it could have been. 
And Conrad cried, Why is it, Lord, that your feet have delayed in coming? Have you forgotten today was the day? Then, in the silence, a voice was heard. Lift up your heart, for I kept my word. Three times I came to your friendly door. Three times my shadow was on your floor. I was the beggar with bruised feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. I was a child on the homeless street. So how are things with you this Christmas? Is it possible you have no sense of nearness and presence of God? For you, angels' voices are never heard. And the thrill of the high and the holy never enters your life. Nothing about Christmas really grabs you. You're having a hard time really catching. Um, yeah. Catching that spirit of the season. It could be you have been looking in the wrong place. It's not to be found in what you receive. But we can usually find it in what we give. Martin of Tours was a Roman soldier and a deeply committed Christian who lived in France in the 4th century. Story has it that early one winter morning, he was met by a beggar who was shivering and blue from the cold. Without hesitation, Martin took off his army cloak, wrapped it around the beggar's shoulders. And that night he had a dream. He saw a vast multitude gathered in heaven, and Jesus stood among them clad in a Roman army cloak. One of the angels asked, Lord, where did you get that army cloak? And Jesus answered softly, My servant Marvin gave it to me. This Advent, Jesus stands among us, although disguised. If you turn away the addict, the beggar, the elderly, the lonely, the refugee, the powerless, you may be turning away Jesus. To meet your neighbor or a stranger at the level of his or her need is to meet Jesus. It's possible the highest and the holiest came to us in the least and the lowliest. I love you all. Have a merry and blessed Christmas. It's 12 days long. I got a lot to say. I wonder who's going to listen to it. I love you. Good night. I'm going back to work.